name, amen. amen. You may be seated. I'm so glad that you came tonight, and I didn't have to come looking for you. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 12, uh, I'm going to kind of go along the lines, and I was talking about faith and believing God this morning, but, but I put it off as long as I can. If you want to hear what the Lord is saying to the churches, the Lord wants me to speak tonight on developing the proper mindset as a Christian. There are mindsets that are being established. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. In the world system, if you don't watch it as a Christian, you can begin to think like the world. And begin those. when you begin to think like the world, it's not long before you take that on and you begin to act like the world and you begin to think with certain mindsets as even presented in Christianity today that you can just do any old thing you want to and there won't be any negative consequences for it. That is as further from the truth as anything you could ever get. And I can just tell you this right now before you throw me out. I mean, just give me one shot. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. God deals with people a little different today, but the principles that He he gave mankind in the Old Testament, uh, those principles, I'm talking about principles now, I'm not talking about we go back and keep the law to be saved or anything, but there's a lot of good principles that God taught that if you bring them over to the New Testament, time together, the New Testament agrees with the Old Testament. God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're going to talk about having and developing and keeping the proper mindset, again, by the direction to the Holy Ghost. The Lord's been dealing with me along these lines for approximately three years. Approximately three years. I say a few years, and I was trying to pin it down, you know. Brother Hagin said a few years ago he meant ten years. You know what I mean? If <laughs> you remember him, you know. But it was about, I was, I was about a few years and I've been dodging this. I've been dodging this on, and speaking on. on this because, you know, it just seemed like it, people don't want to hear it, you know, in, in a way. Of course, I believe if you present it the way the Bible says, it, it, people, you can't do anything but accept it anyway. Amen. But there is a mindset that's crept into the church that's trying to say that the, the God of the Bible doesn't require us to live out the Word of God. It don't matter how you act, where you go, who you worship, who you follow, whatever else, all of us is going to heaven. And that's not true. There are consequences for disobeying the Word of God. And so I'm going to speak on this level up here if you'll let me. You know what I mean? I'm not just talking to us. I'm just going to move up a notch here. And this is a place that I can do these kind of things. And that's the only reason that I'm stepping over here. So it's uh, your fault, not mine. <laughs> it's your fault. But in Romans chapter 12, and we believe, just believe God with me for utterance to say this because it's one thing to have a revelation and God to deal with you about something. It's another thing to communicate that revelation out clearly so others can understand it. So I just believe that God will give us wisdom. And He said here, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. This is the Holy Ghost of the Apostle Paul in this writing. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. The Holy Ghost of the Apostle Paul spoke. Paul just wrote it down. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 2 says, again, Be not conformed to this world. Don't think like the world. Don't develop the mindset that the world has. Don't come up with the idea that there is not a God that's going to judge this earth because there is. Judgment's going to take place for all disobedience of the Word of God. All of us are going to stand before our Father. What I, I, the Christians are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And of course the sinners are going before the great white throne judgment. We know that. So there is judgment that's going to take place in the end, but I'm not going that far. I want to stay right here. And I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this era, this season, while we're living here on this planet. There are things that will happen in people's life if they disobey God's Word. There was five of us in our family. <clears throat> two of them, the two youngest ones, are dead already. I buried one. I preached their funeral sadly, my sister's funeral. She was in her 50s. I preached my little brother's funeral a, a little bit before that. He was in his mid-40s. Now both of these people, who I love dearly and I talk to, as Granny would say, till I was blue in the face. And tell them, it's more to it than confessing Jesus as your Lord. If you don't live the principles of God's Word, you're not going to be on this earth very much longer. And I knew that and I warned them. I told my mother and tried to get my mother prepared for it. Of course, she couldn't see it, you know. And thank God for a good mama. You know, and I love my mama. But I preached my little brother's funeral in his mid-40s, I think he's about 44, and my sister about 54. Now, both of these people had known the Lord from the time that they was knee-high to a grasshopper, jumping ditches with soda crackers. But both of them got away from God. They got out of the church. They got disgruntled with the leadership of the church and thought they knew more than the pastor did. And they decided, well, everybody's wrong and I'm the only one that's right and I've got my own agreement with God and I'm going to live my life my way. My brother, because he, my little brother that I preached his funeral, and I love him dearly, I'll see him again. He did make heaven. You're talking about greasy grace. That's the only way he got there. He slid in by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin. But that's about it. And you probably know people that way too. And I know this is kind of heavy, you know what I mean? But you're ready for it. Uh, you're ready for it, you know what I mean? You just straighten me out right now. In fact, what I'll do, I'll just do this for you. I'll just preach to myself. And because you're so gracious to come, I'll let you listen if you want to. And so you can just say, amen, Brother Randy, that's right. You better straighten yourself up right now. I mean, I'll agree. I'm not just hollering at you. But I'm talking about something that's very important. Because I asked your pastor today, I said, your pastors, I asked him, I said, when is Jesus coming? And do you know the response that he gave me? Soon. Well, if the church believes Jesus is coming soon, we need to start acting like it. Woo! Isn't that right? 
But the mentality and mindset of the world is this. Is Jesus is just my buddy. He's my friend. He's my uppy. He's my sidekick. No, he's king of kings and Lord of lords. He's not just your buddy and sidekick. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. Isn't that right? So he said here to not be conformed to this world. And we don't want to be conformed to the world. So turn to Galatians chapter 3. And we're just going to get into the edges of some things. And talk about some things. Again, the Lord dealt with me about this for about three years. But in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13. The Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul said this. Galatians 3, 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now I have preached on this verse a lot over the years. I've heard Dad Hagen, in fact, he wrote a book called Redeemed from the Curse of the Law. I think it's called Redeemed from the Curse. Yeah, Redeemed from the Curse. And uh, he talks about this and uses this verse. I've preached on it about the positive side of it. But notice here it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Been made a curse for us. One day as I was studying and praying and meditating, I wasn't trying to come up with nothing. I was just studying along these lines, reading along these lines, reading out the Old Testament, reading in the New Testament, because it all, in the end, it agrees together. Except God dealt with man on a different level in the Old Testament than He does in the New Testament because of the blood of Jesus. We understand that. And it's the grace of God, thank God, or we'd already all be dead. Most of us, if we lived under the Old Testament, we wouldn't be here today. We'd have not made it this far. It'd have been over. You know what I mean? So we do live in a grace, and we thank God for that grace. But uh, he said here, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law. I was studying along that line, just meditating along that line, and just suddenly right out of my spirit, the Holy Ghost just spoke right up. He said, yes. He said, I redeemed my people from the curse of the law, but not from the curse of disobedience. He said, when you disobey me, he said, you open the door to the devil. And I said, Lord, you prove that to me and I'll believe it. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a positive preacher. You know, we should be. You heard the message I preached this morning. So if you need something to pick me up after this, and go back and get that one. Amen. And mix it together. In other words, we need the whole counsel. You know. We don't need just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, we like that. But we need some sardines and viannies too to go with it. You know what I mean? We need something that will put us over. That's what we do to, to balance it out. If there was one thing I believe we all received from Dad Hagen was balance. He balanced out the Word of God. He didn't go real far this way and get weird. He didn't go real far that way. He balanced it out. Yeah, God is a loving God. But, just like the Lord told me, he said, yes, I redeemed my people from the curse of the law through Jesus Christ, of course, because he became a curse for, for us. He said, but I did not redeem them from the curse of disobedience. And I said, well, Lord, you've got to give me illustration. You've got to tell me about this. He said, you've got to talk to me about this. He said, well, it's a story that you've told a lot of times. 
And he said, you've read it straight out of the books to audiences in your own personal meetings. And I, and I, and I had, but I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, what story? About who? He said, about uh, Kenneth E. Hagin. And I said, well, I wish you would tell me the story. He said, do you remember in 1959, of course, Brother Hagin would, you know what I mean? In 1959, I was five years old, so I didn't remember in 59. I come along in 54, so 59, I'd be five, I believe. Isn't that right? Five and four is nine. Is that, is that right? Is it somewhere close in there? Yeah? Is it close? But anyway, he said, in 1959, I appeared to Kenneth E. Hagin in El Paso, Texas. He had been preaching in a church in an evangelistic type service, and they had a reel-to-reel recorder. Now, if you don't know what those are, ask your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dating him, but it's been around a while. I mean, he, he's seen it all. I mean, it's a lot of water under the bridge. But, uh, of course, I remember the reel-to-reels. Who remember the reel-to-reels? I mean, we got a lot of them in here that remembers reel-to-reels. You know, the old reel-to-reel tape recorders. He, he had a mic hooked to his tie because they didn't have all these highfalutin sound systems that we got today, you know. And so he got to shouting and to carrying on up there on the platform and that thing was sitting down on the floor in front of the platform and he's up here. And he got to shouting and jumping and let out a kick and a war hoop, woo, and sailed off the platform, leaped in the air, you know. It was inspired by the Spirit, you know, so to speak. And so he leapt up in the air and he started coming down to the floor and he seen that that reel-to-reel was right underneath his feet and he was going to land right on top of it. So in midair, with no aerobatic training as a pilot, he tried to change his direction. And when he did, he came down and hit his elbow and knocked it loose down there. Isn't that right? In fact, after the service, he got up, and I'm sure it would embarrass him, but he survived the situation. Church was over. They decided, well, he better go down to the doctor. So there was a nurse that was attending this service, said, well, Dr. So-and-so was on, and he's a specialist in this area. Let me call him. In those days, you could do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nowadays, you might have to apply to somebody to get in, you know, <laughs> but you'll get there one day eventually. So she called him. He said, sure, bring him on down. Well, he got in there, and the, and the, the uh, doctor got to looking at his elbow, and he said, Reverend, he said, you know, he said, you're talking about you thought you broke your arm. He said, no, nah, it's not broke. He said, but really, he said, it had been better if it had a broken, because what you got is actually worse than a broken arm. He said, you pulled all the ligaments loose and everything else and knocked that loose on your elbow. He said, we need to keep you here in the hospital and back in those days, you know, they, they kept you in the hospital. Now they'll, they'll cut half your head off and you're gone in five, two hours. They wake you up as quick as they can and roll in the, the hospital bed towards your door while you're waking up. Get out of here. You know how, you know how it is, you know. But, but they, was, uh, they got him in there in the hospital. And they put a, a sling on it, some kind of thing, a jig on his arm, you know. And said he was sitting up in bed one evening. He said he was feeling kind of lonely because there was nobody around, you know. And uh, he heard footsteps come walking down the hallway of the hospital. This is in 1959 in El Paso, Texas. 
So I guess you've got to be back in 1959 and in El Paso, Texas. But what we want to tell the story for is to tell about God has not redeemed us from the curse of disobedience. You've got to obey God, do you understand, or you open the door to the devil. And this is the Lord, again, telling me this story, reminding me of the story. So he heard the footsteps walking down the aisle or hallway outside. And his door, he said, he was pushed almost all the way to. It was open some. And he said he looked at the clock, you know, and he realized it's too early for visitors, you know, to come. And so he was expecting, you know, to see a doctor or a nurse or somebody come walking in his room. And he said he heard the footsteps and then the door opened. And when the door opened... He looked up because he seen the bottom part of them first and it looked like a gown that somebody had on and it turned out to be a robe. And it was Jesus Christ. And he had on what Brother Hagin called Roman sandals. You know what I mean? You know what a sandal is? On those feet. He said in all the other times he had seen him prior to then, he had been barefooted, but this time he wore shoes to the hospital because they probably wouldn't have let him in. <laughs> Jesus has to be funny. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm sure he laughs like we do. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, he, don't, you know, he don't go around sad all the time. But uh, anyway, he, he, Jesus walked in and, and pushed the door back to in the hospital. Brother Higgins said goosebumps popped out on him all over the back of his neck. It's like the hair stood up on the back of his head, all over his arms. Could you imagine Jesus Christ, the Son of God, walking in there. He said Jesus appeared, looked like he was about five foot eight, weighed about 180 pounds. You would have mean. He said he walked across the, the room from where he was at, walked across the room after he pushed the door to, and there was a straight back chair sitting in the corner of the hospital room. He said Jesus went over to where that chair was, a physical chair. And he said he took that chair and he pulled it over beside the bed and sat down in the chair. He, folded, he put his hands in his laps and folded them and he said to Dad Hagen, he said, now, he said, I've come to talk to you about what I said to you in the car on the way to the hospital the other night because the Holy Ghost has spoke to him and I'm not going back telling that part because it's not pertinent to what I'm sharing what had happened is again that Brother Hagin had hurt his arm and what one of the things that he had heard the Lord say in the car that is pertinent to what I need to share is that the Lord had told him it's not going to be as long as the doctor said I'm going to give you a speedy recovery you know in this and I'll talk to you about it later and that's the voice he heard the word of the Lord came to him in the car in fact he asked everybody in the car did anybody else hear that and they said no we heard it so it was the gift of discerning of spirits. And he heard in the realm of the spirit and he heard what Jesus was saying. And so Jesus came and he sat down in that chair. And as he sat down in that chair, then he said to Dad Hagen, he said, I've come to talk to you about what I said to you in the automobile the other night. And he said to uh, Brother Hagen, he said, now, he said, the reason this has happened to you, he said, is because you got out of my perfect will. He said, you've got your ministry messed up. He said, I've, this is the third time that I've had to talk to you about this. He said, now, 
the reason this happened is when you got out of my perfect will, you opened the door to the devil, and the devil caused this to happen. He said, now, he said, I knew it was going to happen. And he said, you would think if I knew it was going to happen, why in the world didn't I stop it from happening? He said, I could have stopped it, Jesus said to him. He said, I could have stopped it from happening. He said, but you ought to thank me that I didn't stop it. For had I not permitted this and allowed this to happen to you to get your attention, he said, you would have not lived past the age of 55 years old. He said, because you were only walking in my permissive will. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, but not from the curse of disobedience. You know what I mean? You've got to walk in line with the Word of God. And so he told Dad Hagen, now if Dad Hagen, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, had have died by the time he reached 55, I would have probably never met your pastors and probably had never met you. Because Rama Bible Training Center did not start till Brother Hagen, Dad Hagen, was 57 years old. So there would have been no Rama Bible Training Center. We would have probably never met, never known each other. I don't know how life would have taken us, you understand. And I'm sure that the body of Christ would be influenced. But there are rules that govern our life even as a Christian. Yes, we confess Jesus Christ as Lord to be born again, believing it in our heart and saying it with our mouth, but also we've got to live out what the Bible says. Again, I buried my little brother. He was 44 years old. I preached his funeral because he broke the laws of the Bible and he broke the laws of the land. But more so, he broke the laws of the Bible. I talked to him many times. And in fact, in love. Now, I'm not talking about mad or nothing. I've done my best to help my little brother. I loved him dearly. But I remember one time he got so adamant with me that he actually pulled a loaded rifle and was going to shoot me. And that was my brother. I said my own brother was going to shoot me. Because I was telling him the truth and it so pierced him to his heart and I wasn't telling him in a hard way. I was telling him with love. He knew what I was telling him was right and he got mad about it. He was mad at himself because he knew what I was saying was true and he literally was going to shoot me with this high-powered loaded rifle that he had in his hand. My sister that I buried at 55 years old and this was just... Uh, a couple of years back that's when it was. When I buried her at 55 years old, I had talked to her over and over. And I said, Pam, her name was Pamela Denise. We always called her Pam, you know. Pam, and I talked to her. I said, Pam, I said, you can't live like you're living. And I said, confess Jesus is Lord. You can't hit the nightclubs. You can't get drunk. You can't lay up with them men like you're doing. Don't make me come back there. I'm telling you the truth. And I said, you can't get tricked out, freaked out, and hide up on that crack in that other mess that they got out there. Because she would do it and run back to the church. And, of course, God would forgive her. And I said to her, Pam, I said, that lifestyle is going to take you out. And I said, it's not going to be God doing it to you. I said, it's going to be you doing it to yourself because of your disobedience. Well, it's sad to say, I'm glad she made heaven, slipped in by the hair of her chinny-chin-chin, chin, you know. 
But she died at approximately 55 years old because you cannot violate the principles of God's Word even though you confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you about another situation. And I know people's not shouting like they were this morning. This morning everybody was shouting, you know what I mean? They liked the other message. I'll get my friend back here to play it for you if you want me to, and I'll just sit down. What I mean? And we need that message. Yes. But let me tell you about another family member. My mother's sister, Aunt Loretta. My mother's uh, sister was a good lady. In fact, you know, I grew up, you know, with her children and us. We was just all grew up as a family together. But somehow or another, when my grandmother, who is my mother, and uh, of course her sister's mother, got elderly, well, she had some means because she worked in the cotton mill for 48 years and she saved every dime she could get her hand on. In fact, later on, don't do it right now, if you'll look at George Washington uh, that's on a $1 bill, you'll look on a $1 bill, you'll find out that he's got a wig on his head. He was a member of what they called the Whig Party. And the reason he had to wear a wig is because my grandmama got a hold of that dollar for you did rubbed all the hair off his head. <laughs> and now the reason she did that, you have to understand. And that's just what I talk to my wife about sometimes. I said, sometimes you've got to see the big picture. Because she'll say, well, I don't understand that. I said, well, I'm looking at a big picture. I'm not just looking at this. I understand why my grandma was like that. Now, she changed later and later in life. But she come out of what you call the Hoover days. The monetary system, and now we don't know that, but she knew it. The monetary system failed. It didn't matter if you had a billion dollars. All it was good for was to start a fire. It failed. She lived through that. So from then on, she decided she wasn't going hungry no more. She wasn't going to do without no more. And she would not put her money in the, in the banks. Now, she, I went into her closet to fix her closet door for her one day. And there was a bunch of shoe boxes sitting there. And I knew my granny, she had a pair or two of shoes. That was it. You know what I mean? Excuse me, ladies. But I mean, that's it. She thought that was excessive. You know what I mean? Now, my wife hadn't got that gift, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> and probably most of you ladies don't have that gift either. But Granny thought that was excessive to have, you know, two or three pair of shoes. And I thought, what is all them shoe boxes doing there? And I was going to have to replace some trim where I had done fixed the door and everything inside the closet. So I was going to move the shoe boxes to get to where I could fix the trim. When I grabbed the shoe box, it was heavier than a pair of shoes. And I thought, what is this? And they were stacked up about five and a half foot tall and the width of that closet, which is about eight foot wide from the floor up. And I thought, what? This is the heaviest pair of shoes I've ever felt. <laughs> so I took that box out and went and set it on the bed, flipped that top off, and guess what was in there? War bonds. War, she called them war bonds, United States savings bonds. Denominations of fifty and a hundred dollars. They were telling how much money was in that closet, and I got on the phone and called my mother. I said, "Mother, guess what I found in Mama's closet?" Everybody called her Mama. That knew her. She was four foot eleven, but she could beat the devil out of you with a frying pan. I'll tell you the truth about it. 
You know what I mean? I said, guess what I found in Mama's closet? She said, what? I said, I found United States savings bonds. And I said, there's got to be at least thirty or $40,000 or $50,000 here. And she lived on a, a, a pine-sided house, which is like a, a, you throw a match in it and it's gone. And you know, when them things burn up, it's gone. She said, I told her we're supposed to take that to the bank. She said, I thought that was already put in the bank years ago. But Granny didn't trust the banks because she come out of the Great Depression. And you couldn't go. If you had money in the bank, they wouldn't give it to you. And if you couldn't get it, it wasn't no good. So that's why Granny, you know, had that mindset that she had. So she had saved a lot of money over the years. Now we finally got her to turn loose to some of it. She claimed it was arthritis causing her to hang on. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it wasn't. I can tell you. I'm looking at the big picture. I know where it come from. Arthritis. Oh, authors got me, she would say. Oh, authors got me. No, Granny. But she finally, and I love my Granny. Don't get me wrong. I look forward to the day I see her again. She's in heaven. But uh, Granny had some money. Oh, and when Granny got elderly, you know, from just working herself to the bone, they, fat, they run her out of the cotton mill. They just said, Mert, her name was Myrta Cleo. They said, you just got to leave. You too old. Well, I ain't too old for nothing. Been working there for 48 years. 48. She told the boss man what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they finally talked her into leaving, you know, and then, then later on in life, you know, she started, because she was so active for so many years, I think it just didn't do her good to get up and start sitting around, you know. So she started getting elderly, and so it come down to time to take care of her. And so she couldn't get, you know, write her own checks and take care of her banking anymore and all that stuff. And so they started having her checks, you know, what they call direct deposit, and she hated that. Oh, boy. She thought the bank was going to fail, you know, and they wouldn't have her have another chicken leg or something, you know. So anyway, they worked it out so that my mother's name and my uh, aunt's name, Aunt Loretta, and I'm not knocking my Aunt Loretta. I loved my Aunt Loretta, but she's in heaven too. She went to heaven prematurely, and I'm, that's why I'm talking to you. I want to tell you this. And so what she done is because both names were on the checkbook with all this money, I'm talking about all it wasn't millions, you know, it was well over a hundred thousand, under two hundred thousand, that she began to dip into the pot. You know what I'm talking about. And she began to open other accounts behind my mama's back and take this money, which is both of their inheritance, and steal it. You heard me right. That's stealing. I don't care if you do call yourself a Christian, that is stealing. I tried that stuff. <laughs> it works. The law works. I walked in and robbed folks, and the next thing you know, they locked me up. <laughs> Took me away for breaking the law. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, but not from the curse of disobedience. You can say you're a Christian all day long. If you take your pistol and you go down here and rob somebody, they will put you in jail. You can confess you're a Christian all day long. It works. I have proved it. Not as a Christian, of course, but as a sinner. So anyway, when my mother found out about it through a series of having to uh, 
transfer some monies to pay for house housing and things for my granny. We called her mama. Then that's when mother discovered that the accounts are practically depleted. You know, there might have been $10,000 in accounts that had 200000 in them, almost. So when my mother confronted Aunt Loretta because she went to the bank people and said, what's wrong? There's a mistake here. This is the amount that shows in the balance in the book that I've got. No, Miss Greer, she said, your sister come and withdraw it. You know, her, her, her name's on the account too. And so that started, uh, I guess, a war in the family. But it started this way. Then my aunt, which was my mother's sister, started attacking my mother because my mother confronted her and said, Loretta, what you've done is wrong. She said, you're stealing from me and you're stealing from mama. She said, what if mama needs that money? We wouldn't have any money to help her with. Ah, oh, you just want everything for yourself is what it is. And I mean horrible to the point of cussing my mama out. And this is a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian that's cussing my mama out. And my mama would call me on the phone just squalling. Oh, it's awful to hear your mama squall. Oh, oh, hey, Loretta said this. I said, Mama, don't repeat them things. I can't hear that. Them cuss words that would come out of this Christian's mouth. Christian! Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, but not from the curse of disobedience. If you violate the principles of God's Word, eventually it's going to catch up with you. So this went on. And my mother just started, instead of being able to put her into a care place where they should have been because she needed that kind of care, then my mother said, we'll just have to take care of her. And so, because my Aunt Loretta felt so bad about Stealing the money, because, I mean, she don't call it that. Stealing the money. Then she was going to bring her into her house. And so my mother would go over there and actually watch my grandmother, we called her mama, and take care of her. And she would berate her every time she would leave there. She'd sometimes stay for days or several days while they would go somewhere and, you know, out and do things and vacation and all this stuff. But anyway, it always just turned out to be a mess and a big roar and uproar. And mother would just cry all the time, she said, I don't know how in the world she could do this. You know, she's a Christian. She, she goes to church and she speaks in other tongues. How in the world could a Christian ever do this? She said, Randy, I don't understand this. I don't, and I said, well, Mama, I said, I don't understand. Talk about my mother. I said, I don't understand it either. But one day my mother was talking to me on the phone. Now, you can't come up with this on your own and, you don't, and I'm pronouncing nothing on nobody. I don't do that either, I mean. But my mother this day was very unusually upset, depressed, despondent, squalling. And uh, when she was trying to talk to me, she couldn't even talk because her voice was shaking. And finally, she got it out what she was telling me about what she had just went through with her sister and all this stuff. And the Holy Ghost just spoke right up in my spirit. And he said, tell your mother because she has practice my word and walk in the principles of my word with long life will I satisfy her. She'll not just see her children and her grandchildren. She'll see her great, great grandchildren because she's been obedient to me.
But tell her that her sister will die within two years if she does not repent and ask forgiveness of what she's done. So I said, Lord, I don't want to say that. And it wasn't me pronouncing it. You understand, I don't do that. But that's what I heard in my spirit. And I said, Mother, I said, I know you don't want to hear this. I said, but the Lord told me, and I told her the other things. I said, but the Lord told me that Aunt Loretta would be dead within two years if she did not repent. Now, it wouldn't be God killing her. You understand this? But she's out there under the curse. She's got the door open to the devil in disobedience because you can't do that. You understand? Now, y'all was shouting this morning. I got to remind you, I do have shouting sermons. But we need this too. This works. You know what I mean? And so, my mother started crying when I said what the Lord had told me. And she knows how the Lord uses me from time to time. She said, and she just started really sobbing. She said, I don't want to see my sister die. I don't want to see anything bad. I said, Mother, I don't either. And I said, neither does God. I said, but God cannot violate His word to protect her in her sin. And He can't you either. He can't violate His word. He can't make Himself out of a liar. He meant what He said. Well, eventually, now God didn't put it on, on her. It didn't put it on her. The devil did. But she come down with the cancer. One of the most horrible cancers you can get. And not listen, let's balance it out. Just because you're having an attack or Satan's coming against you don't mean you're doing something wrong. You understand that? We live in a fallen world where things happen and sometimes there's no explanation. You understand? So don't get that. Well, God is letting this happen to me. No, don't get that mindset. You fight the devil for everything that belongs to you in the name of Jesus. You yeah, we examine our heart. You know, Brother Hagin has got a book. It's called about how to receive anything from God. I forget exactly. I think they've changed the titles over the years. But the first thing that he talked about, the first, there's ten steps. First steps is make sure you're not practicing any wrongdoing. You know, if you're not practicing any wrongdoing, forget it and go home, you know. And that's the way it is. But anyway, she come down with this cancer. And I mean, everything they tried, every lotion and potion they tried, every shot. I mean, I would visit her. I would talk to her. You know, and I didn't talk to her about any of that stuff because the Lord didn't tell me to at all. And, and of course, she went to every healing evangelist that she could get underneath and have them pray for. And I never would pray for her healing because the Lord had already told me what was going to happen. She had something she had to do. And I'm talking about in anointed meetings where people were getting out of wheelchairs, getting up off of deathbeds and everything else, and she couldn't get nothing from God because she had closed the door. Well, ladies and gentlemen... I and her son preached her funeral within two years, just like the Lord said, and she passed away. Now, that's been quite a few years ago. And guess what? My mama, that thought she was going to die <laughs> years ago, is still a living and 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 living. And she's living a good life. A good life. The other day that came up, something came up about that. I said, Mother, you know, about, you know, how long she's been alive and been around here and all that. I said, you ain't going nowhere. I said, God is going to give you long life. I said, remember what he said? And I'm telling you, he will you too. 
with long life will He satisfy you and show you your salvation. And my mother has seen her children, her grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and now seeing her great-great-grandchildren. Woo! God is good, and His mercy endures forever. I think we were singing that this morning, wasn't we? God is good. And it wasn't God that caused my sister to die. It wasn't God that caused my brother to die. It wasn't God that caused my Aunt Loretta to die. It wasn't Him. It's because they themselves opened the door to the enemy and He took them out. So what I'm encouraging you in is don't let the mindset of the world creep, creep into your Christian lifestyle. Don't let the world convince you you can just do any old thing, live any old way, and God, uh, you know, He loves us, but when you get out there living any kind of way, then you're violating the principles of God's Word, and it will open the door to the devil. Just like Jesus told Dan Hagen. He said, if I hadn't permitted this to happen, and Satan to get your attention, he said, because you opened the door to the devil, he said, you would have not lived beyond the age of 55 years old. But he did. He got it right. Of course, he lived to be. He had had his 86th birthday already, and he was in his 87th year when he went on to be with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, God's got long life for us. Not only now does he have blessings for us in this area of obedience of his word, as far as longevity, but do you know in finances, don't make me get over here now, in finances, it works the same way. Can I tell you another story? Let me tell you a story about Granny. Now this is Granny, Mama, Mama that went to heaven. And uh, she was coming out of the Hoover days, remember? I told you about her coming down how, you remember how George Washington got his wig, right? Because my grandmama got a hold to him before you did and rubbed the hair off his head. And she believed in being conservative. Of course, I do too. I don't believe in wasting money. I believe if you, if you, you know, if, if you be blessed with money, you need to still manage it correctly. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's not that people have money problems. They have money management problems. You know, that's the truth about it. If we just manage what we got like we should, somebody said, it don't take me long to manage mine. <laughs> I ain't got that much. <laughs> I've been right there. I know what you're talking about. But I was talking to my granny about this and about blessing because she would go to church and, and, and she'd go to my services and everything like that, but she attended a local Pentecostal church, Pentecostal Holiness Church there in Columbus, Georgia. And, of course, my, my, uh, one of my brothers would take her, you know, and pick her up, especially she's older now, you know, and, and one day I was over at her house and watching her rock in her red rocker. Now she had this red rocker, as far as I know, it come off of Noah's Ark. I mean, because she never threw nothing away. And if it got too many holes in it, then we would force her to get it recovered. Do you know what I mean? And get some springs put in it, but she dare not buy a new one. It costs too much. I can just tell you that right now. But I was sitting around there one day and just, uh, you know, hugging her, loving on her and talking to her, you know, and telling her I was her number one grandson, the best one she had. You know, I just shooting the bull. You know, I just, I was giving it to her. 
And she liked it, of course, you know. So I'm the best one of your grandkids. I'm the one, I'm telling you. <laughs> just butter her up, you know what I mean? And, and it just dawned on me. It just struck me. I said, Mama, I said, do you tithe to your local church? What do you mean? I said, do you tithe? She said, what is tithe? I said, Mama, don't play dumb on me now. You know what I mean? You know, Christians know the Bible when they want to know it. You know, even the devil knows the Bible when he wants to know it. Remember when he took Jesus? He took Jesus and he quoted the scriptures to him. But she didn't want to know the Bible then. And I said, Mama, I said, you know how long you've been going to that church? Yeah, yeah. I said, do you tithe out of your checks you get? Because she got retirement checks and, and Social Security and stuff. I said, I said, do you tithe off of that money? Well, I give an offering. I said, Mama, now I've been to church with you. And I said, I've watched you hide taking out your offering at church. And what she does is she gets George Washington. And she crumples him up real tight, you know what I mean? Anybody ever count the offers before? I've counted a lot of them, you know what I mean? <laughs> Crumple old George up, and then when it comes by, she puts it in and shouts, Whee! like she's done something, you know what I mean? And, and listen, if all you got's a penny, shout over that penny. But Granny could do better. She could obey the Bible. And I said, Granny, I said, do you know what tithe means? Tell me. She'd heard it. Ain't no telling how many times. I said, tithe means one-tenth of everything that comes your way. She said, what does that mean? I said, that means that 10% of everything that comes in from your checks, you should be sowing it into your local church as a minimum. And I said, if they need some help to raise some money for something, I said, you ought to help in that area too. I ain't giving nobody no 10% of my money. Born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-dancing Christian. Now, my granny, I say, you don't want me to talk about your kin, folks. You like it when I talk about mine. My granny, I mean, she could cut the rug. She could do the Charleston and the Holy Ghost. Now, that'll date you. But anyway... <laughs> But she could do it, brother. I'm telling you, the anointing to get on her, and she'd shout, "Wee!" all over the church. But if you want to shut her mouth, just take up an offering. <laughs> that usually works on most folks. I don't tell. You, I don't know how it works <laughs> for the work of God, you know. So we sat there and discussed this issue, and I finally got her to understand what it was. And I said, Granny, just, just trust God. Because I knew it was a leap of faith for her. Remember we talked about this morning that you've got to move to the, another level of believing. You know what I mean? And I knew it was going to be tough for her because I was looking at the big picture. I wasn't condemning her, you know. But I was saying, Mama, this will open doors and blesses to you that you can't get any other way. God promises to bless us. Read it to me in the Bible. So I'd read, read it to her, you know, and show her what the Scripture says, the Old Testament, New Testament, so on and so forth. And, she, and I finally just broke down. I said, Mama, I said, if you'll just tithe for one year, just one year. And I said, prove God. Because the Bible says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, 
if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings for you, there's not room enough to receive. This, I'm talking about, still talking about obedience. I said, I said if, if God doesn't bless you, I said, I'll pay you every dime back. Now, that's a faith statement. <laughs> but I, I just trusted God. I, I just knew that, that was the only way she was going to do it. Now, you mean that you're going to pay me back now every dime? You pay me. She goes, she can keep up with the figures. You know what I mean? When it's on her side. I said, Granny, I'll keep up with it. I mean, now you keep up with it. And I said, if God doesn't bless you in this one year period, abundantly above anything you can think, according to His Word, He said, prove Him. I said, I will give you that money back. Where are you going to get that money? You ain't got that kind. I said, Granny, that's between me and God. Now, I can't lie because liars go to hell. I said, I ain't going to lie to you. She said, okay, I'll do it. So she, what she would do, because back then she would cash her checks. You know, they would send them to her, and she would take them checks and go to the bank and cash them immediately where she'd get the money because she thought the bank would close, you know, the next day. But the first thing she'd do, she'd bring her offering envelopes, her tithing envelopes. She had them stacked underneath her coffee table. She had a coffee table that had little doors under it. And, and when she would cash her check, because I'd been there many times, when she, I'd sometimes take her to the bank to get them cashed because she wouldn't have it no other way. Somebody come take me to get this check cashed, you know. And I'd go in there and sit down with her. She'd say, hit me one of them envelopes. And she'd count out God's part. And I said, this is the tithe, right? Now I've got this right. I said, yes, Granny. She said, well, just lay it right there in my Bible. When I go to church, I'm going to put it in. But I'm telling you now, the end of this year, you're going to give me every dime back. You hear me? So she would get weary and well-doing during that year's period, but we finally got down to the year, and I think she knew it to the second. You know what I mean? She had it figured out. She called me, and I was about to go from my house to the airport, get my airplane to fly out to go to a meeting. Back, yes, when I still lived in Columbus, Georgia, you know. And so uh, Granny called me, and I, I picked up the phone and answered it, you know. And she said, Randy, I want you to get over here right now, and I want this money back. I have been tithing, whether you know it or not, for one year to the day. And there ain't nobody put no wheelbarrow load of money in my door. I don't know where she got that. I think my brother gave her that idea, you know. <laughs> Somebody's going to bring a wheelbarrow load of money. And put it at her door, you know. I ain't got that. I'm telling you right now. You get back over here. And you get me this money. I'm telling you right now. Where are you going anyway? I said, I fit to leave town. No, you're not. You're not going to leave. I'll get somebody to come and block that airplane from taking off. You ain't, you ain't going to leave here till you pay me back. She could squeeze a dollar even from her grandson. Of course, she gave me anything you ever wanted. Do you know what I mean? I'll tell you that. She was too good to me when it come to a lot of things. I just say that. She loved me. But anyway, and finally it dawned on me, you know, miracles do happen, you know, and I got a bright idea. It was a miraculous event. <laughs> I said, Granny, I said, do you still pray every day? I sure do. I go in my closet and sometimes I don't come out for three hours because she believed the Bible says enter into your closet and shut the door. So she had one of them walk-in closets in her house and she would go in that closet and shut the door. <laughs> I said, do you still pray every day? I sure do. I said, well, Mama, before you make me come over there 
and pay all this money back to you, you say, I'm owing you and God didn't bless you for this year that you've been tithing and everything and proving His Word. I said, will you go and ask God the same question that you're asking me? She said, you mean ask Him where's the money at? I said, yes. She said this, do you reckon He'll hear me? Been praying for 40 years. <laughs> Been praying for 40 years. 40, I say, I'm talking about my kid folks. You know what I mean? And I love my granny. You reckon he'll hear me? I said, sure, granny. He'll hear you. I said, God, please. <laughs> please, if you ever talk to my granny, let her hear your voice. Send an angel. Jesus appeared to her. Do something. Because she's stirred up. Remember, she's only four foot eleven, but she could beat the devil out of you with a frying pan. She said, now you better not go nowhere. You better not leave. You better not go to no airport. You better not. I said, Granny, I said, you got my word. I said, I hadn't got to leave right now. I can delay my leaving for a while. I said, but somehow I don't think it's going to take you long. Do you reckon? I said, I reckon. So about 30 minutes later or less, the phone rang, and I seen my mama's number, grandmama, you know, we called her mama. Her number pop up on there, and I answered. And this is what I heard. That's the way Granny cried. She had just a squalling. And I didn't know if that meant good or bad. I said, Mama, Mama, you all right? Ah! Finally, I got a word in, you know. I said, did God speak to you? Yeah! And by this time, I want this revelation. My God, I want to squall with her, whatever it is. Let me cry a while with her, Jesus. I said, now just calm down and tell me. I will, you know. I said, what'd you say? She said, he didn't say nothing. I said, what do you mean he didn't say nothing? She said, he didn't say nothing. She said, he asked me a question. I said, he did? If you notice, a lot of times in the Bible, when they ask Jesus a question, He'd respond with a question. I said, what did he say, Mama? He said, Mama, he said, how many times you been in the hospital this year? How many medicines you had to buy that your insurance don't cover? <laughs> oh, my Lord. And we got to thinking about it and I got to shouting. Because Granny had had a lot of physical problems. But all the year, it just disappeared. All the medicines, all the extra stuff she'd had to pay that insurance didn't cover. And all this, none of that was there. Oh, and I'll tell you, my Granny would fight you for the tithing bucket when they come by. I'm telling you. She knew that God's word is true. 
Now, now she wasn't she wasn't paying God. She wasn't buying God off. But she was closing the door to the devil. I'm telling you, when you obey God's word, you flat shut the door to the enemy. He can't come through that door when you close it through acts of obedience. Even after you made mistakes, even after you blowed it big, all you got to do is get on the right side of God's word. Get on there. I mean, I've done it. I'm telling you, I, I came to Jesus, remember, on my third escape from prison, the first week of May of 1982, as a born-again Christian, because I got saved on that third escape, and God told me to turn myself in. I never dreamed I would do anything like that, but I knew that God would be with me, and that He would help me somehow. And then when I went back to prison facing all those charges and armed robberies and all these things, they said, you will be released in the courts from prison on parole in the month of none. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm in Wichita, Kansas tonight. (laughs) I'm in Wichita, Kansas. And I walked out of that prison August 27th, 1984, about 8, 10 a.m. in the morning after being told I would never get out. I'm here to tell you, when you get obedient to God's word, it closes the door to the devil and God himself will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. That's in Joel chapter 2 if you want to read it. He'll restore them to you. I've been, my life has been restored. Your life has been restored. Maybe we can have a greater degree of it, all of us, but it's been a restoration, hasn't it? How God has turned it around. So God is not out with a gigantic flyswatter trying to knock you in the head. He's trying to get you to understand when you obey His Bible that that's where the blessings will flow. And it will close the door to the enemy. And he cannot cross that line when you obey the word. Remember every time that Jesus was confronted by Satan, what did he do? He quoted the word to him. And the devil could not come across the word line. Some call it the blood line. But I'm here to tell you the word line. When you stand on the word, I'll guarantee you, It'll work for you. I'm reminded, I believe by the Holy Ghost, of Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin having an experience about a precious little mama that had a little daughter that had epilepsy, I believe it was. You remember that story? And he was preaching in a church, him and Miss Aretha Hagin. We called her Mom Hagin. Him, Dad Hagin's a term of endearment, you know. And he was headed on the way to church and the child had turned for the worse with these attacks and everything. And and uh, the Lord, uh, had, she had had some problems and not uh, with her family members and been in disagreements and arguments and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the Lord had uh, told Brother Hagin to tell her, just forgive them people that's done you wrong. Walk in love and this will thing will turn around. That's what he said. Forgive them people that's done you wrong. Walk in love is thing turned around. So this little child came under attack about the time it's time to go to church. So this lady, knowing mom and dad Hagen, you know, and the family and all, called and asked would he come by and pray for the little girl. You remember the story? 
And I think I got it close to being right. But it's this principle of it that means... To, to. So when he walked in to the house, the Lord told him by the Holy Ghost, He said, tell the devil to take his hands off of your child because you're obeying the Bible by walking in love and leave now. And the lady done it and immediately the attack stopped and her child never had attack it again. Never. Never had another one. It's not that God was doing it. The devil was coming in through the back door because somebody left it open. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you say? Let's just close the door to the devil. Close the door. Regardless of what the world is trying to tell us, that you can just live any old kind of way, do any kind of thing, and it won't hurt you. God still loves you. Yes, He loves you, but there's a devil out there that will take you out. I'll tell you, I've buried preachers because of this. Wonderful people preach their funerals because they open the door to the enemy. And I'm not belittling nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that the church develops the mindset that the Bible is true and the devil, if I walk in line with that Bible, there ain't no devil that can take me out in the name of Jesus. I'd encourage you. If you slipped, if you tripped, if you made mistakes, if you blowed it big, just get back over under the bloodline. Get back on the word line. Stand on the word and you're going to come out victorious every single time without fail. In fact, if you try to use your faith, you remember the message I preached this morning? We ought to listen to that message over and over and over like Pastor encourages, you know, said to do. But at the same time, you've got to walk in obedience to the Word for your faith to work. Isn't that right? You've got to walk in obedience to the Word. And again, now let's, let's balance this out. In closing, that's a miracle. You know what I mean? God's in the miracle business. Because I mean, I've got story after story, and I, get, I can just see all kinds of things I could say. But I've learned that Hagen gave me a wisdom one time. I was speaking at his, his camp meetings. You know, I had pretty large camp meetings. And I was in the speaker's room getting mic'd up, and he was sitting there on a the sofa. And he started giggling, kind of laughing. He said, uh, Brother Randy, he said, you need a new revelation. I said, yes, Dad. So the guy that was helping me get all hooked up in this microphone, the sound guy, you know, he stopped what he was doing. I stopped what I was doing, and we both looked at Dad Hagen. Boy, we thought we, we didn't get us a revelation. I said, Dad, what, what is it, the revelation? I'm, I'm ready. He said, you need the revelation that the heart cannot receive no more than the seat can endure. <laughs> In other words, you can kill people. Paul used to kill them, but he wouldn't let them die on him. And I ain't going to let you die on me. He'd raise them up from the dead and put them back in the service. Let's go again. You know what I mean? Paul had preached, and if I lied to one and died, wouldn't raise them from the dead. You ain't died on me. My God, you going to listen but I've learned you can't share everything and say everything at one time. And this is enough. It's kind of heavy. You know what I mean? It's kind of enough. Yeah, it is good. Because it's a balance to it. And if your faith is going to work, you've got to walk in line with the Word of God. But I was going to say this to balance it out. That's where we come to grace and mercy. Because we don't always get it right. Notice I said we, me, I don't always just get everything just right. But I know this. I'll walk in the little bit of light that I've got. 
Let me turn to 1 John. Can I do that? 1 John and read a scripture before we, before we leave. Turn to 1 John. Just to encourage you. So you don't get under condemnation well, I, and get in fear. So, well, I ain't done this and I ain't done Well, I'm telling you, start in that direction and God's mercy and grace will be there Hallelujah. to help you and watch over you. Hallelujah. Verse number 7 of 1 John chapter 1. A friend of mine used to call this uh, Baby John and he called John over there in the Gospels Big John. So this is Baby John. <laughs> the first epistle, Baby John. That wasn't my idea. He's in heaven too, so he knows the right truth about this. But in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, look at this wonderful verse. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of His Son cleanses us from all sin. Just walk in the light that you have. Walk in the light that you have. You know what I mean? That's all he's saying. Walk in the light. What if you trip and slip in the darkness? Get back in the light. You know what I mean? He's not sitting there, you know, trying to take you out or wanting some bad thing to happen. He don't want any bad thing to happen for to us. He died for us to stop that. But you can walk in the light as you understand it and know it of course based on his word and the blood of his son will continually cleanse you of any and all sin now again if you recognize and realize that you made a mistake ask God to forgive you and I know that's not popular but it's true it does you good and it's scriptural too by you acknowledging that that, well, I missed it. I made a mistake. I got in disobedience. By you acknowledging that, uh, it puts you in a place that you say, that's wrong and I don't want to do that no more. Isn't that right? right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, God loves us. Yeah. And He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, but not from the curse of disobedience. Because there is a, a curse on this earth where Satan operates. It's not from God. It's from the devil. And if you get away from God's Word, it opens a door to the enemy. But let's just close the door. Amen. I mean, and you probably already got it closed. Let's just keep it closed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box, 2227 Owasso, Oklahoma 74055 or you can contact us at our website www.rgm.me and remember God is always with us